I don't really remember how I got into gardening. Anytime my parents did yard work as a kid, I hid away inside in the air conditioning, usually with my nose in a book. And I don't enjoy mowing the grass or edging the lawn even now. But I distinctly remember moving into our first little rental house at 23 years old over in Riverside and thinking, we need some flowers in front of our rundown 1920s wood bungalow with peeling paint and an overgrown lawn. It started with potted plants, I believe they were mums, which I think I just plopped in a colorful pot. Then I started planting things in the ground, colorful things, but things that quickly burnt up in the Florida sun. Eventually we bought a house across town, a 1955 brick ranch only owned by one couple before us. And the man who owned it was a rubbish handyman and an avid gardener. The man had died several years prior and his wife was selling the property so she could move into a condo further south. She said the yard, which had meant so much to her husband, was just too much for her to handle. The grass was overgrown and swampy and the many large beds on this quarter acre of land, well, they had seen better days. We promised we would take care of the garden and she signed the house over to us. And I think the spirit of the old man has slowly changed me over the years. It started by just ripping a bunch of stuff out. Many of the things left in the yard were dead or overgrown or taken over by weeds. The old man had created several of his own hybrid hibiscus, so we tried to preserve those the best we could. And of course, I started planting flowers. Again, being fairly inexperienced, I planted things in the wrong places and during the wrong times. But many of the flowers took, and year after year, I added more to the flower beds. When we moved back from seminary, we basically started over from scratch as our renters didn't exactly appear to be as affected by the old man's spirit as I was. But now, a little older and a little wiser, I designed the beds from scratch with some of my favorite plants that happened to do well in Florida. I replaced old, worn out and leggy azaleas with camellias that may outlive me. I planted native and drought resistant flowers that should survive multiple years in the Florida sun. I planted trees in places where they had room to grow. And I worked, and am still working, very hard to resuscitate the citrus trees in my backyard that didn't look like they'd come back after three years of neglect. And this year, as we've spent more and more time at home and alone, we tried to even plant vegetable and fruit plants. And while I do well with flowers and trees and even indoor orchids, Learning to garden edible things has been a whole new experience for me and Jordan. But we planted a range of plants in a variety of containers and soils. And we have been optimistic that something, anything, might grow. The sower today is even more optimistic. In the multitude of YouTube videos I have watched on backyard gardening, the most important step appears to be placement. One finds an area with the perfect amount of sun, the right kind of soil, and enriches it with compost or fertilizer. Then and only then is a seed or seedling carefully tucked away into the toiled up soil. But in Jesus' time, farming was a little different. 
The seed was thrown out kind of willy-nilly, and then the farmer would plow, churning the seeds into the soil. Some of them would take, and some of them wouldn't. And because of that, the sower sowed abundantly. The sower is generous with the seed, not so focused on whether it is the right time to plant or the right area to plant, and certainly not caring whether the soil is the right pH. The sower's job is just to sow, not to judge the soil. So many times when we think of evangelism, we think it is about telling the right person at the right time. We judge whether we think someone could be receptive or if this is a time where they can truly hear the good news. And that leads us to overanalyze the situation. By the time we answer all the questions mulling around our brains, we have talked ourselves out of saying anything about the good news of Christ. And this makes us different than the sower. The sower doesn't care if some of the seeds don't take or they only take in a shallow way. Much like a person growing a garden for the first time, The sower is delighted when even one of the seeds takes, whether it be a jalapeno plant or tomatoes. I heard that anyone can grow zucchini in Florida, that you actually need to line up a distribution chain if you have even one plant because you'll get so many zucchini that you won't know what to do with them all. So I planted two zucchini plants with plenty of room for the plants to grow and produce a ton of zucchini. I watered them, I made sure they got enough sun, and sure enough, they got huge and started producing flowers. Large, beautiful, yellow flowers that were all male. Now, you can pollinate the flowers yourself and in turn produce fruit, but you need both male and female flowers. So I waited. And I waited. And you know what? Despite what I thought were perfect conditions, my zucchini plants never did produce female flowers. And then they both got mildew, and then they died. But I wasn't disappointed for too long, because on a whim, I had chucked a sweet potato into the same bed behind a large bush. I figured it probably wouldn't grow, but no harm seeing what happened. And you know what happened? That vine went nuts. It has now taken over the ground where the zucchini plant shriveled up and died. And I bet this fall I will have a bumper crop of sweet potatoes. The sweet potatoes have taken off not because I provided the perfect conditions. The sweet potatoes have grown because I took a chance just to see if it would grow. It turns out that no matter how many seeds we plant, how much botany we've studied, how much fertilizer we apply, how much we water in Florida's oppressive heat, we will constantly be surprised by our gardens. And evangelism is very similar. Sometimes we painstakingly prepare the soil and plant the seed and water and nurture the plant. We invite a person to church time and time again just to be rejected. We pick them up at their house, buy them coffee beforehand and bring them with us. We buy them tickets to Seafood Fest or buy them a steak for Moaz. And after coming a time or two, they just kind of disappear. Or they'll come to social things or even sign up to be a new member and then never come back to church. Or maybe you drag them to church, but they'll strike you as being on the fence 
about the importance of God in their life. Sometimes, even when we think it is the perfect time for God to take root in someone's life, it just doesn't work out. And then, there is the sweet potato that you chucked behind a bush in your garden. It's your Hail Mary. Instead of being strategically planned, it's the invite you throw out to a person you just met on a whim. Or a random aside about how much you love your church to a person you worked out next to in the gym one morning. And suddenly, they show up to church one Sunday. Not only that, they start bringing people to church. They become an active member or they grow close to God right in a time when they need him most. You didn't intend any of it. Yet somehow that seed that you carelessly threw out grew into a fruitful plant. Because it turns out, we don't make plants grow. God does. And anyone who has sprayed for weeds knows that plants that should not be able to survive somehow find a way. So we can't carefully place seeds in the soil we judge most likely to grow anything. Because they may not grow a thing. And we should throw seeds even in places that look unlikely to grow anything. Because they could take off. And a place that may look like a terrible place to throw a seed today may be rich and perfect soil tomorrow. It is not our job to judge the soil. We're just here to throw out a whole bunch of seeds. Sometimes we grow fearful of how few seeds we seem to have. We think of our resources as being limited. Or maybe we're fearful that we could waste all our seeds and people will judge us for being a terrible farmer. But our God is one of abundance. No matter how many seeds we sow, there will still be more at the bottom of that packet. No matter how terrible we are at tending the seeds, God will surprise us with what he can grow. We may put in a little effort, but God multiplies that effort exponentially. We may plant a few seeds, but God can produce bushels of vegetables off of one vine. And sometimes we won't be around to see the fruit of our labor, but God will. So don't be stingy with those seeds. Don't overanalyze the soil or your timing or the quality of the seed. And talk yourself out of planting until the conditions look to you to be exactly, perfectly right. Just spread the seeds everywhere. Tell people your experience with the triune God. Talk about how much you love your church. Be a Christian around them, loving your neighbor as yourself. Send them a link to our YouTube channel. Or even invite them to have a socially distant outdoor watch party one Sunday morning with a cup of coffee on your porch. Just spread the good news everywhere. And then, be delighted to see what God grows.